0: Hey everyone, the episode you're about to listen to is one of the very first ones that we did and the sound recording is not that great.
1: It took us a little bit to hit our stride and we enjoyed these first episodes but they maybe aren't our strongest ones.
0: So we've got some better equipment and honed our skills. The recording quality gets a lot better around episode 10.
1: Stick it out, keep listening. It gets better from here.
0: I'm Ben and you're listening to the Sound Logic podcast. This is Mike. Each episode we discuss one of music's greatest albums from Rolling Stone Magazine's top 500 list, brought to you by two guys with no credentials. Yeah, so well, okay, just briefly, and if this doesn't go anywhere that's fine. So, at the time it was probably around 2012. Yeah, cuz I was definitely living back in Stovall and I was driving home from work. And the jazz, I was listening to the jazz station exclusively. Jazz FM 91 is our Toronto jazz station. And uh, I was already a big Curdelling fan. So they had a radio contest. And I was like, oh, I'm pulling over. I <laughs> pulled over, called in, and got in right away and won tickets to see Curdelling in Mississauga uh, for like a few months later. So Nora and I went. And it was like, this guy is an exceptional vocalist if you ever have a chance um he has a crazy range i would say he's like a baritone right but he can sing way up too so he was touring on this album that he had done which was called 1619 the brill building project and it was all covers of songs by artists who lived in that building in new york a very specific building and wrote songs uh i think i think neil diamond even lived there but a bunch of people and really really cool um you know songs by sam cook uh, carol king paul simon duke ellington all people who have lived there and he did tons of stuff and it was it was crazy but one of the songs he did from a previous album a cover was norwegian wood which hmm. was on rubber soul and it's very, very different. It does it in a different time signature. He has some on his studio recording has some really crazy, dissonant kind of jazz avant garde guitar solos. And uh, I always think of that when I hear Norwegian Wood, even though it's very different. Interesting. And then when when I think about that song and Kerdeling, then I'm immediately thinking about the concert we went to, which was just a very different experience. I really like jazz, but most of the concerts I've been to in my life are probably rock concerts. So to be at that kind of more formal concert setting, but still like uh, he's just commands the stage and is an exceptional vocalist. So, yeah, uh, that kind of just brings me back to a totally different moment. And it's funny, again, how music can kind of uh, tie in your memories together.
1: Yeah, and I think it says something about the caliber of the songwriting when um, Mm. multiple artists performing the same piece can draw you in in different ways. That's right. Uh, We'll get to this on the uh, upcoming episode, but uh, I've been listening to uh, children's artists with my kids who does uh, two albums of Beatles covers, and he really makes them his own, and I think that that's a really powerful testament, not only to his uh, ability as a musician but to the power of those original songs to make to make them unique um, and, uh, and yeah I think I can you know I can still very vivid, vividly remember uh, the talent show in 8th grade where I performed a, a Beatles cover with some friends and um, we were really striving to make it sort of uh, as close to the original as we could but you know as adolescent 8th graders I'm sure it was pretty mediocre and <laughs> didn't sound super polished but but that was that was a great experience and and actually we we got second place to a student who sang um i want to say yesterday or so another like oh another <laughs> another classic <laughs> beatles uh song right and i think that says something about the power of the, of the oh. songwriting when when they just have this longevity to them
0: um, so that's like 30 well that's 30 years later Right, right, right. Um, Do you remember what song you did?
1: Yeah, the song we sang was "Day Tripper." Oh, nice. Which, for a long time, I had assumed. Yeah, was a, <laughs> I had assumed that was on the White Album. And um, you know, in listening ahead to some of these upcoming albums, I've been getting into the White Album a little bit, seeing that it's you know coming up here in a, in a number of albums. And "Day Tripper" wasn't on it, and I was like, "Oh no!"
0: <laughs> I've been assuming.
1: <laughs> I think what what it was was that um, we pre- practiced in my friend Wes's basement, and his parents had a, a record player down there and a case of albums. And Day Tripper, I think, was on one of their like decade retrospectives, one where they're, they're like all looking over, peering over the railing. I'm forgetting the name of that uh, album. Oh
0: yeah, there's a there's a red one and a blue one. Right. And it's kind Day of Tripper's like. Day Tripper's on there. They're both okay. double
1: albums. And so we would pull out the, the double album, put on the record, listen to Day Tripper, and then try and play it. But uh, the, my friend Ian, who is uh, the drummer for our, our single performance band that never went anywhere, um, really loved Helter Skelter, which is on the White oh, Album. Yeah, and yeah. so sometimes when we weren't paying attention, he'd put that on instead of Day Tripper and then just uh, laugh hysterically when we were all like, wait, this isn't the song. Um, and so I think for for years I've assumed that that was the same record. He'd just moved the needle to a different spot, but turns out he actually had a totally different
0: record on. I think that was just a single. I don't think that was on an album.
1: Day Tripper. Yeah.
0: yeah, McCartney wrote it like around the same time as Drive My Car, which appeared on Rubber Soul, which we're going to talk about next. Fitting. Yeah, very timely. Fitting. Wow, this is great. <laughs> same era, and.
1: Um, yeah it's a neat it's a neat little song
0: i really like what you said about the strength of songs when you can cover them across genres and times Mm -hmm. it really shows just how great the songwriting is
1: and it seems like genre doesn't necessarily matter too like I've, i've heard like you said jazz musicians yeah uh country musicians uh you know even uh, this is a little bit different. This was a remix, not a re-recording. But I don't know if you ever picked up DJ Danger Mouse's Gray album, in which he mixed uh, the Beatles' White album with Jay Z's Black album. Oh wow! And uh, <laughs> it, it sometimes it falls really flat, but sometimes it actually kind of works. And uh, you know, just taking two completely different sounding genres and mushing them together, I think says something about the quality of both of those.
0: I think I'll have to be in a very specific state of mind to go that go to that place.
1: Well, I think <laughs> Jay Z's Black album is on here, right?
0: I'm gonna gonna take your word for it. He does have a, a few yeah. albums on the list. So.
1: Number 349, the Black album. So cool. maybe uh, in uh, you know 340 something albums, we'll we'll pull out some samples from the Grey album, and, sure. and give them a listen.
0: We'll be be old and gray. Six
1: six years from now. We'll be in our
0: 40s. Good grief. Oh, wow. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and
1: write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, or through our SoundLogic podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening.